so glad you could join us for mornings at YCVC today. We want to thank you for being a part of our online family and we hope that this message encourages you, blesses you and helps you grow in your walk with Him. So let's get into the Word. Well, good morning again. Um, it's good to be together, uh, worshipping God to, together. Uh, so this morning we're, we're continuing on uh, in Galatians and we began last week with the, the first chapters of Galatians talking about how there is no other gospel, uh, that anything added to the gospel means it's not the gospel, it's not good news anymore, there is no other gospel other than the gospel of Jesus, the Son of God, crucified for our sins, raised to life for us. Um, and so th- after kind of making this claim in the early chapters of Galatians and the bits we didn't touch on last week, Paul's talking about where he received this gospel, not from man, uh, but from God, but also those who knew Jesus in this life affirmed the gospel he preached. Uh, then he gets to kind of chapter 3 and he's, he's talking to the Galatians, not just about the gospel, but, but how it shows up in their life, how they live out relationship with Jesus. How does the gospel shape our behavior? How does our belief in the gospel shape our relationship with God? Uh, So the idea I want to start with this morning is the idea that our behavior is an echo of what we truly believe. Our behavior is an echo of what we truly believe. What I mean by that is how we act in life, how we show up in life, what we do in life. Uh, what we think even, our, our, our thought behavior, our thought life, is an echo of what we truly believe deep down. We might say we believe something and we might think we believe something, but then it's our behavior that shows the the truth of our belief. So I might say to you, you know, this rickety looking bridge is safe to cross. I believe it. But if I never step foot on the bridge, then my behavior echoes a lack of belief that the bridge is safe. Same idea, you might think about a sheet of ice. Uh, not in Yas so much, but um, uh, some, some friends were saying they were, were talking online to some friends that have now moved to America and they've got a pool in the backyard, uh, but it's now covered in ice. And the question was, can you walk on that? Is it thick enough? And, and so you might say to someone, I believe that you could walk on that ice, but I'm just not prepared to step on it myself. Not because I'm heavier than most people in the room, but, but because you know, it's, it's, it, it echoes a deep down belief that I don't really trust it. And so the same is true of our faith, how we behave with God in relationship with him, how we behave with one another. The, the way we act out our faith echoes our deep down beliefs. I'm sure last week and when we were talking about it, if you were here or you were online or you caught that message or you've heard before that there's no other gospel other than the gospel of Jesus Christ plus nothing. Most of us who've been around a church or connected with a church for some time go, Amen! Yes, I believe that. But for so many of us, including myself, the way we behave, the way we interact with God and one another echoes deep down that we don't fully trust the ice is thick enough to walk on. That we don't fully trust completely in the cross of Jesus Christ for our salvation. And so Paul begins chapter 3 with uh, a word of encouragement. You foolish Galatians! Sometimes maybe you've been to church and you felt like that was the encouragement you received. I hope not too often. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? 
the word foolish here could be translated unthinking. What are you thinking about? What has gotten into your head? Paul is saying. Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. And so I'd like to learn from you just one thing. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish after beginning by means of the Spirit? Are you trying now to finish by means of the flesh, my translation says? Have you experienced so much in vain? And so what the Apostle Paul is talking about for the Christians in Galatia is that they're now trying to add their own works, their own human effort, their own flesh to their salvation. Like we said last week, the the key context here is the issue of circumcision. The Jewish faith had key as been a part of God's people that males would be circumcised. And the Galatians are Gentiles and they've come to faith in Jesus through the preaching of the gospel and through the working of miracles. And so they've come to believe in Jesus. But, but now a group of people have come to the church at Galatia and said, in order to be truly saved, to be truly righteous, to be truly God's people, you need to be circumcised. You need to behave in this way. And so Paul is is saying to them, to think that way is foolish. They already received so much simply through belief. They received the Holy Spirit, the, the person of God dwelling within them by the Holy Spirit through believing. They've seen works of miracles done amongst them through belief. So he's saying, what's gotten into your head to make you think that you need to do this physical thing in order to be truly accepted by God? Now, after all they've experienced in in their faith, they're beginning to think they need to add their own work, their own effort, their own box ticking to their salvation to truly be accepted by God. Now, I want to say this is a common experience for followers of Jesus. It might not be circumcision that's the issue today, uh, but we begin through faith. We, we meet Jesus and, and, and we go, wow, our sins are taken away by faith in him. We receive the Holy Spirit and we find satisfaction in him and um, had the joy of just chatting with someone this week that's just recently found Jesus and found that only in Him can they be satisfied, not in the things that this world offers. And we begin there, but, but it's a common experience to start to shift towards believing that we need to add our work to that. It's so subtle that we might not perceive that we've shifted in our belief to think that I need to tick a few of these boxes uh, it might not be circumcision, but it might be if I don't read my Bible every day, then, then oh, I might still be saved, but God will be a little bit less happy with me. If I miss church, if I, if I, if I swear, then or if I don't kind of do the opposite of swearing, if I don't speak cleanly, then I, I need to add my effort to it. We might not really perceive intellectually that we've begun to add to the gospel, but it shows up in our behavior. When I act 
like I need to work harder to please God, it echoes an inner belief that the sacrifice of Jesus is not enough. When we act like we need to work harder, like we need to do more, like we need to have the boxes ticked, like we need to have done all the right things and none of the wrong things, when we act like that or become anxious about that, it echoes an inner belief, a deep belief, that the sacrifice of Jesus is not enough. When I become anxious that God is going to, isn't going to love me anymore because of XXX, fill in the blank, uh, then it's an echo that I've begun to believe that God's love and affection is dependent upon my behavior. And so Paul says to the Galatians that have begun to believe this, that their behavior has begun to live out that belief. He says, you foolish Galatians. And so I believe he'd say to me, when I begin to live out that behavior, act out that deep belief that that I need to do more, that I need to try harder, that God's love for me, that his acceptance of me, that his forgiveness is dependent upon my behavior. I believe he'd say, you're foolish, Nick. Who's gotten into your head to tell you that? He'd say, you foolish church. After all that we've experienced, after all that we've seen God do, not through our effort, but through his grace, through faith, how could we begin to believe that we need to add to what Christ has already done for us? Foolish is the right word. To add flesh to faith, think that we need to work for our righteousness is foolish. And so after that word of encouragement to the church, the Apostle Paul goes on to, to bear out this works versus belief idea. Are we, are we saved? Are we accepted? Are we loved? Are we in covenant through God based on our belief or through our work? That is, work here is a, a, a catch-all for, for what we do. In this context, Paul's talking about works of the law. It's, it's about the Jewish legal system. But, but in a broader context, in this day, we can understand work as anything that we think that we need to do for God to love us, to accept us, to forgive us, to be in covenant relationship with us. And so Paul teases these apart. Is it, is it through belief or is it through work? Paul says in Galatians chapter 3, verse 5, So again, I ask you, does God give you his spirit? Does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you by works of the law or by believing what you heard? And so it begins with their own context. Did God give you his spirit after you ticked all the boxes? After you fulfilled all the laws? after you've done all the things, after you've showed up at church every Sunday for 52 weeks, after you'd read the Bible every single day for 365 days, after you'd gone a whole week without swearing at your barista for getting your order wrong. <laughs> Did God give you his spirit when he ticked off all those boxes? Or did he give you his spirit, his indwelling presence, when you believed? He begins with their experience, and I'd encourage us to begin with our experience. 
We've all perhaps had a different experience of encountering the presence of the Holy Spirit in us. Some of us, that's been dramatic. Some of us, it's just been this inner peace. Some of us, it's, it's been different. But that's not the question on the table this morning. The question on the table is, did you have all the boxes ticked when you first received God's grace? Paul then goes on to shift from their personal experience to a theological rationale. He goes to Abraham, the father of the Jewish people, for whom some of them are now telling non-Jewish believers that they need to essentially become Jewish to be accepted by God. He says, Abraham, he believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. The implication here is not those who've ticked all the boxes. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles, that's the non-Jewish people, by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. As it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly, no one who relies on the law is justified before God because the righteous will live by faith. And so Paul is saying, if you want to rely on the law, if you want to rely on work, on your effort to be justified, that's a word that means made righteous, acceptable before God. If you want to rely on works, then you have to make sure that every single box is ticked. Otherwise, you are still under the curse of sin. And all of this Old Testament, and not just the Old Testament, but the New Testament as well, but all of this, that much chunk of the Bible could be seen through one lens as a journey towards understanding that humanity will never be able to tick all of the boxes. And so that's why the Apostle Paul is able to say, we know that no one can be justified by works of the law. We're not going to get into it this morning, but elsewhere, later in this chapter, uh, in early chapter 4, the Apostle Paul says, it was not the point of the law in the first place. That was never what it was about. But for this morning, we want to just anchor in that understanding that, that no one is made righteous by works of the law, but that righteousness comes through faith. We are made righteous by our faith in Jesus, not by anything that we can do with our flesh. To skip ahead a little bit, spoiler alert for future weeks, the Apostle Paul actually says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 2, a few chapters over, Mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourself be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Now, what that means is not that if you happen to be circumcised as a male, then, then you can't be a Christian. It's not that it's flipped the other way. What he's saying is, if you rely on something other than Jesus, if you're hedging your bets, if you're relying on Jesus plus circumcision, then Jesus has lost all of his value for you. Because you're not really trusting in Jesus. You're trusting in the plus whatever it is. And so it's not just about circumcision. If we put anything in that space, if our behavior echoes a belief that we don't fully trust in Jesus, then Paul's saying then Christ is losing his value for you. 
Because the value of Jesus is that it is Jesus plus nothing else for our salvation. And so this morning, I I want us to see the opportunity to examine our deepest beliefs about our relationship with God. And by that, I mean not what do we think. Because we're a great church, a great bunch of people, your theology is good. I'm not asking for a theological response this morning. I'm not asking you to tell me anything. What I'm asking you to do is to ask yourself, what does your behavior, what does your anxiety say about what you truly believe? Is the ice of Jesus' sacrifice thick enough for you to confidently walk across in your heart? But by what I mean by that is, is do you say that you trust Jesus? Do you tell yourself that, but but your, your, your work, your, your anxieties, your thoughts, your actions are driven by trying to please God. By trying to be good enough for Him. Whatever boxes you're trying to tick, ask yourself this morning. Take the opportunity to think, what does my behavior tell me about what I truly believe? When it comes to, is the sacrifice of Jesus for my sin enough? Is the grace of Jesus that says I am justified, that I am pure and spotless and blameless before God my Father through belief in Jesus? Is that enough? Do you trust that it can hold up for you? Does your behavior tell you that there's nothing else you rely on? There's no boxes that you're trying to tick. There's no fear and anxiety around that. Or does it tell you that you're, you're clinging to a few footholds? My brother, um, not last time, we've been since, but the time before that I visited him in Port Macquarie, he had uh, gotten into mountain climbing and rock climbing and um, scaling down cliffs and things like that. Um, That's a bit much for me. Uh, But we went to an indoor uh, place where um, you could climb up in that. And so obviously if you're climbing up these walls, what you have attached to yourself is a rope. Um, Now, even though I am a hefty fellow... um, I understand that that rope is more than strong enough, even if it was cut down to, you know, you cut through it with a knife down to its last kind of threads, that it would be more than strong enough to hold me. But when I'm at the top of that wall, there's part of me, my behaviour, that echoes a little bit of concern about, will this rope actually hold me? Even though it's more than enough. And so I know I'm telling the same analogy in many different ways, but I'm trying to connect with us in that idea of are we believing intellectually that, that Jesus is enough, but we're clinging to showing up at church every week, trying to read the Bible, making sure we're circumcised, we'll tick a few of these other boxes just in case, and we're clinging to the wall, not trusting that the rope is enough. Because there's two kinds of work when it comes to our faith. There is the the kind of work where we're trying to please God, where all of our actions, all of our behavior, all of our our work is, is an effort to be acceptable enough to God. 
And that's the kind of work that I've been talking about. But the other kind of work is work that flows from knowing God's grace. Work that is an act of worship. Work that is a desire to see others, everyone, every nation, every tongue come into a knowledge of the grace of God. That, that's a different kind of work. That's the kind of work that we're called to. But the reason I raised that this morning is I don't think we can ever fully enter into that second kind of work, that, that work that we're called to, while all of our mental, physical, emotional, spiritual energy is consumed trying to please God. See, we have a calling as a church. We have a great calling as followers of Jesus to work. Uh, the last thing I want you to hear this morning is that God's grace equals we get to be lazy. But it's a different kind of work that we're called to. It's not the work of, of, of fastidiously trying to be enough for God. Because Jesus has already satisfied that. But unless we grasp that truth, then we'll never fully flourish into the work that God has called us to. The work of going into all nations and making disciples. The work of being Jesus' hands and feet, of being his love to the world. Are we catching the idea of the two different kinds of work? See, even the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10. He says this. Well, I'll read verse 9 for context. For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them. That's what he's, than the other apostles he's saying. But then he says, yet not I. Yet not I. But the grace of God that was with me. There's two kinds of work. The first is foolishness. The second is God's calling. If we're engaged in the first kind of work, it will never be enough. And so this morning, uh, I want you to reflect on that question. What's your behavior saying? What are your anxieties telling you about which kind of work you're engaged in, in your relationship with God? Is it work that is an effort to desperately please Him? Or is it work that you could say, I'm just working hard for God, but, but it's not really me, it's, it's God's grace within me flowing out. I've been set free from his grace from working to try and please him because that's what Paul's life was all about before Jesus to the point of killing people to try and please God. But now he's in this moment when he's writing this of I am free from that first kind of work. Jesus did that work for me so that now I cannot be lazy but I'm free to enter into his calling for me, to work hard than everybody else, but by the grace of God in me, not I, but that grace. Or to put it quite abruptly, what are you really relying on? On your own efforts or the sacrifice of Jesus for your salvation? Are you relying on Jesus or the flesh? And so I'm going to pray, 
and that the Holy Spirit would help us to govern in that and hopefully discern in that and hopefully um, the last thing I want to say is some of us this morning if we're, if we're caught up in the work of trying to please God will hear this kind of message And the enemy gets in there in, that, in some kind of space and, and, and rather than that been a moment of freedom, it starts to become another box to tick. The box of trying to not tick all the boxes, if that makes any sense. And so hopefully, this is what I'm going to pray in this morning, that that's not that. When none of us get led astray by the serpent into that space. And that we can fully and wholeheartedly experience the freedom of the grace that comes through simply believing in Jesus this morning. And so Jesus, I am thoroughly aware that any human words, my words uh, fall woefully short of trying to capture the enormity of your grace. So I pray this morning that you would release us by your grace from the work, from the effort of the flesh to try and please you. For those of us where we've got our theology right but our behavior echoes a disconnect with that belief. I pray that by your spirit, you would release for us this morning a deeper, not understanding intellectually, but experience of your grace. That we would know that we don't need to lift a finger to please you. that we would believe that we don't need to lift a finger to please you. We simply need to trust in you. And as we're set free from trying to please you, set us free into our calling to work empowered by your grace instead of trying to earn it. Where there's guilt, where there's condemnation, Father, I pray that by your spirit you lift that off and you replace it with your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I encourage you this morning as Carl plays and sings to take a moment to reflect, to think, what, what does my behavior say? You don't need to tell anyone else about that. You don't need to talk to anyone else about that. You can just talk to the Holy Spirit and reflect on that. And Carl's going to lead us in a song that, that, that uh, declares truth into this space. And so when you 
when you are ready, when you are personally ready, not when you've ticked all the boxes, but when you are in a space in your own heart and mind, when you're ready to begin to declare these words, and that could be right from the very start, uh, I encourage you just to let this be your declaration this morning, to speak truth to your own soul. Thanks for joining us today. As you head back into your week, we want to encourage you to stay in His Word, stay in His love, and stay strong in your faith. Don't forget to keep up to date with what's happening via Facebook, Instagram, or via our website at ycbc.church. See you soon.